Do we talk about the panda movie? Oh, so I watched it. Fine. Yes, this is a good to talk about. I just I just watched it. Well, Cam has watched it a couple times. Maybe not through the entire thing. Like we were bad about like, oh, we'll start a movie and then turn it off. And I'm not a huge fan of the movie in general. Not because of any controversy or, you know, religious whatever or cultural whatever. I just feel like the story is kind of lacking. It's not very you know? deep. So how, I, I was telling Bobby about it last night. I was like, if the story was about her getting her period the first time, then make it about that. Right. Or if the story is about this family legend of this red panda, make it about that but it feels like it's about neither i know it is kind of confusing to like really nail down the point of the movie we watched like a couple extras of it and i can you know i want to get behind that it's like all female you know lead production and and you know all of that but yeah i just felt like the story meh the music meh it wasn't one that is going to stick like frozen yeah, or yeah. I didn't feel like I, I knew enough about the like other supporting characters like in there. I don't know. I just, I don't, I just really wasn't, I just, meh, meh. It was fine. Yeah. It was pretty. Yeah. It's pretty hazy as far so, as the point. Yeah. Cause like Bobby's argument was like, Oh, it's really, really niche in that it's, in Canada and it's Asian immigrants to Canada in Toronto in in Toronto's Chinatown and to which I say I'm like literally the same age I think it's like 2004 2007 in eighth grade and I think I was I graduated eighth grade in 2007 no that's not right I graduated high school in 2007 but anyway (laughs) close enough like close (laughs) enough in age to these people, grew up near Toronto, played a lot of volleyball with and against like Chinese communities. And my, all my coaches through high school were from Toronto, were Chinese. We would go into Chinatown like probably every other week to eat and like hang out. <laughs> and, like, and so I'm like, if this is niche, for a particular audience like I'm kind of the audience right (laughs) you know like taking TTC taking the seeing those streetcars being on those streetcars like I'm the audience for that and I still didn't feel like you know it was realistic also like even in 2000 whatever seven that it was you there was no way you could walk up to the Sky Dome the night of a concert and get a ticket (laughs) <laughs> not gonna happen so like, only, only you would know that living there <laughs> yeah so like if you're gonna tell a story about toronto for toronto canadians and people who lived near toronto grew up in toronto you know make it real more real i don't know. like yeah. there was like so many moments where i was like huh and then last night when we were watching it i feel like the big plot hole was that the dad says that the red moon's on the 25th, but the concert's on the 18th or something. Like there was like a major date issue. Oh my gosh. I would never pick up on that, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> well, I, so the only reason I picked up on it was because the night before Kim had watched the end of it, like the, like the last like 10 minutes. 
And then, then, then last night we watched like the first 10 minutes. And so I like it within like a close proximity, got like those two moments of time in the movie. And I was like, I think that's an error. I think there's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm like, I'm like all for a movie, a coming of age movie that talks about puberty and periods and the emotions that we feel and have. I just, yeah, I just didn't, I just didn't really connect to the, I feel like they were maybe trying to disguise it a little bit too much as far as like not being like thrown in your face this is about her period or they were like it wasn't about her period but they were trying to rope that in to the family history yeah 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 Yeah, I agree yeah hi and welcome to the don't beat around the bush podcast I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. Pelvic pain is a, is a bitch. Yeah, and it's like an umbrella term. I mean, there's so many yeah. things that can go under that. Did we talk about like the difference between vaginismus, vulvodynia? I don't think we've dove into that. But yeah, you can have pelvic girdle pain. You can have pelvic floor muscle pain. You can have endometriosis you can have pcos you can have all of the Um, dinias uh, (laughs) interstitial cystitis bladder pain syndrome you can have pain because you with no like known origin or cause um pain with sex yeah vestibulodynia is like the vestibule pain vulvodynia is anywhere in the kind of vulva so the Uh, vulva is like think of like a bigger area the vestibule is like in the opening if you think of like a circle or an oval <laughs> yeah the vulvodynia is like the labia and inside mm-hmm. you know everything labia and inside vestibular like clitoral pain and then the vestibule is like inside the labia think of like kind of the vaginal opening like around yeah, kind the of- vaginal opening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the entryway, the entry, the, the vestibule, <laughs> but like in sclerosis, all those yeah. like skin conditions, conditions, yeah, like in sclerosis, there is like in plainness, there's a different lichens. I'm forgetting it. Um, yeah, like different, different various like vulvo vaginal skin disorders, uh, pudendal uh, neuralgia. neuralgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so vaginismus means being that it's like then pain and like clamping of pelvic floor muscles more into vaginal canal that's where like he can't put a tampon in nothing you know no entrance of anything dyspareunias painful sex so lots of things fall under pelvic pain yeah lots of things and all of it can be addressed by pt and mm-hmm. a medical team. A lot of these conditions, like when you're talking PCOS and endometriosis and the, the skin conditions, you're going to likely need a team of providers, GYN, Urogyn, PT, 
maybe a counselor if it's like a chronic condition and you're trying to process like chronic pain, all of the people. And really, shouldn't we all have a team? I think we've talked about that before, (laughs) but like, wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Yeah. Like that we, that we deserve this like collaborative care and that we deserve to have this sort of seamless integration of professionals. It's just, it's just rare. It's just more rare. Kim and I were talking about like Mayo Clinic and it's like, what is the deal? Like, what is the deal with Mayo Clinic? It's in like the most kind of random place, (laughs) but it is, um, that when you go there, like, so her, her doc that she works with used to work at Mayo for a long time. And when you go, it's like, okay, before you even go, you're going to, we're going to make sure your appointments are all lined up for the whole day. And we're going to help you get from appointment to appointment and this and that, and this and that. And what Kim said is that like her, with her surgeon is that sometimes then a referral would come, like a doctor would be like, oh, I think we also need this person on board. And then they, you would see them that day. Like there there's flexibility in their schedules where they, they can like add um, clients anytime. Mm-hmm. And then like, then that person is here for a week. Okay. You need surgery. We're, the OR, we're going to get you in the OR tomorrow. <laughs> that doesn't exist in, um, in the traditional model, not even just like getting into a surgery the next day, because that's maybe not always necessary, but can I see this person and this person and this person and this person all at the same time? And we can all talk to each other and we can all come up with a plan and like, yeah, it seems like that would, that should be how it all is. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, not yeah. even close. You got to make your own team. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people are fending for themselves in the medical chaos of appointments. So pelvic pain, I think sometimes when I was new to pelvic floor PT, I was just like, what is a pelvic floor PT going to do for endometriosis? Like, what is a pelvic floor PT going to help with someone with PCOS? Like, and it was kind of this, like, I don't get it. But if you take, like, look at all of these conditions, for one, a lot of them are chronic pain. And two, all of them are going, you know, like that pain is going to influence your muscle tension activation function, but pain, you think of automatically the nervous system and the influence of the nervous system in the muscle tension, in the function of the core and the pelvic floor and all of those things. So yes, we might not be medically treating obviously as a pt the underlying like medical cause of these conditions but addressing the function that's being influenced by the condition absolutely absolutely yeah the the concept of you know a medical provider maybe it's an excision endometriosis specialist or a uh, ICS specialist might may prescribe the medication or even a vulvovaginal specialist is going to prescribe the medications that help or do the surgeries that help treat the disease, maybe at its root cause. So for like lichen sclerosis, uh, the 
different types of steroids and topicals and, and Botox injections potentially are really going to help get that at, at the root of the, at the issue, maybe working with GI, you know, other looking at other upstream causes for definitely, but the, the lifestyle functional pain management, uh, muscle, the muscle, um, fallout of having dealt with this pain for so long and how that impacts our nervous system and how that impacts our muscular system is, is 100% something that a physical therapist can help somebody address. No doubt, no doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have a client that listens to the podcast. She's awesome. She's (laughs) one of our big supporters. Um, and she's been on a quest to figure out her, her, it started as vestibulodynia. That was kind of her diagnosis. And it was just kind of general pain, pain with sex, pain with different types of clothing and sitting and like that kind of stuff. And then they switched into like thinking it was lichen sclerosis. And so thank goodness she got to like one of the best, uh, Jill Jill craft and, got um seen in that office and they figured out it wasn't even lichen sclerosis they thought for like almost a year that that's what it was but after like a biopsy and everything figured out it was more of an eczema that it was just really the skin was getting really irritated and so that was causing a lot of pain but it was just like and she's amazing for advocating for herself and doing her research and like so it was interesting to see like how this all panned out even getting a excision of the clitoris I think that's what they call it excision surgery like when the clitoris is yeah when the clitoral hood is like completely covering um the clitoris and that can cause a lot of pain and restriction and like obviously like Uh, impact what you feel during sex and stuff like that and so that was cool to see the difference that that made the whole journey just knowing what exercises she could do to calm her nervous system to improve her rib mobility during this whole thing she was pregnant too (laughs) so um there was like a lot going on but yeah it's it, it can be a wild world out there i'm a client who uh who has both seen Jill in DC and another specialist in Chicago for, for various like skin, vulvovaginal skin conditions. And yeah, just incredible specialists. And it's, it's insane that there's only a few of them in the entire country. And for how prevalent pelvic pain is, or like even some of those conditions, I mean, you even think of endometriosis and I know that diagnosis gets thrown around a lot when doctors don't know exactly what's causing pain. And, but the only true way you can know it's endometriosis is through going in and taking biopsies. They, um, if they laparoscopic, they can do like an exploratory lap, uh, lap and then take a biopsy, um, which wouldn't be like a full on excision surgery. You would have to look for a doctor that does that type of, um, yeah. that's specialized in doing that for endometriosis. So what is the name of that physical therapist? I want to say, I'm going to say the wrong name, but there's a physical therapist who's a very strong advocate for endometriosis. And I, I believe that she's navigated endometriosis herself 
for, for a long time. And she just did a, a reel the other day that came up on my feed that was like, um, she gets people telling her she shouldn't be talking about excision surgery um, because it's not accessible to many people who have endometriosis because they don't have a surgeon in their area that knows how to do it. They don't have, you know, the training or the skills or their insurance wouldn't, won't cover a surgeon that does, that does do it. Um, or it's just inaccessible to travel to those places to, to get that, that type of care. And to which she was like, uh, of course I need to keep talking about this. It's wiggly. It's really wiggly. Really wiggly. Yeah, I just took a bite of this and now two I can bring down and then it made it wiggly. But how are you going to eat when you keep losing all these teeth? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> hi, Elsie girl. Haley says hi. Can you wave? <laughs> Um, yeah. So what was her response to that? Was just like, no, we need to keep talking about it because this is the gold standard of treatment. So we need to continue to advocate for more surgeons and more patients requesting this type of, of surgery versus ablation or, or, or just even excisions without collaborative care. Right. So, um, something that I see on some of those like endo summit pages is like, if there is extensive endometriosis on the bowel or on the uh, diaphragm is that we need other thoracic surgeons um, to work in collaboration. So a, a, a surgeon who does endometriosis, uh, you know, a GYN type surgeon might go in, start excising and then see that it's it's the, the, the disease is somewhere that they can't operate. Like they can't resect a portion of bowel. That's maybe not a skill or something that they, that they do. Um, then they close that, they close up and they carry on. It's like, well, we haven't completely eliminated the endometrioma and, and it's going to, you know, it's going to continue and, or, and it may be temporarily an improvement, but not for forever. And so yeah, I think it's, it is, it is a very scary, it's a, not a very scary, but it's like a very complicated, complex world of navigating pelvic pain. And, and I would say largely clients who I've worked with, I know other people have worked with who have pelvic pain is that like the pelvic floor physical therapist is, is really nicely positioned to just also be like a nice spirit guide through <laughs> your spirit guide through this process of mm -hmm. like frustration and, and, and confusion and, and, you know, expense and all of those things. But it, it is nice to have someone who's on your team and, and is supporting your recovery from a, really from a functional standpoint versus, you know, we don't have the medical, the medical solutions. Um, but can we, what can we control? Like, with movement, with breath, with techniques, with releases, um, to, to give some semblance of control when, yeah, when it's out of control. Yeah, for sure. I think it's interesting. Not that there's any, I can't like know for sure. Um, if there's a correlation, but my mom had really, really painful and heavy periods, like 
I remember that as a kid, like her, you know, like just talking about it or whatever. And she eventually had the ablation. Yes. She had an ablation um, and said like, Oh, it was great and wonderful and all that stuff. But I also started in high school having really bad, heavy, crampy, painful periods. And I think it's interesting, like how things have evolved. Like, obviously I went on birth control because that was like the thing to do when you had like painful periods and then had kids and whatever. And now on the back end of all that, I like barely have any symptoms anymore. Like just tuning into like, you know, like the diet stuff that really matters for like tissues and, and health like that. Or, you know, I don't know what it is like what I've done, like the cranial sacral therapy, the PT, whatever, (laughs) using a cup instead of tampons that are scented. (laughs) So it's interesting because I'm like, huh, genetically, maybe it was the same thing. We were dealing with the same thing. But at that point in time, that was the only option. You know, there wasn't people didn't know, like there wasn't pelvic and it takes more. I mean, it takes like a lot more work, like the, all the stuff you've done, all the research you've done, all the courses you've taken, like that's significantly more, more work to navigate. And when the only solution that's being offered to you is, you know, this is this procedure that we can do mm-hmm. um, that will help, um, then, you know, that's yeah. what you do. And there's Mm -hmm. a time and place, I think, for every treatment option. And some people do need surgery and some people, you know, like we all have varying degrees of Mm -hmm. whatever condition we're dealing with, but. And, and, and sort of the capacity, the capacity, right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what if we're in, you know, we're, we, the capacity to, we don't have the capacity or control to be able to make major dietary changes or exercise changes. And so a one day outpatient procedure is a pretty, is a pretty great Mm -hmm. solution. And I think helping people Mm -hmm. navigate that those decisions is help is great. So weird period stuff for me. So I've been like relatively happy with the copper IUD. My periods are heavy. I feel like the heaviness is starting to decline. So it's been probably six months and a little over six months since I've had it and, or more actually. I don't know. I think Robert's getting older and I feel like he's still a baby, (laughs) but, um, what's weird is that my period will stop. It's like three days. Okay. Then it will completely stop. And so I need to like do some research on this. Then like two to three days later, it'll come back for two days. Interesting. And like light on those last two days, but it's like, it's just so annoying. So annoying. Cause I'm like, like, Oh, let's get it over with. And then I'll like be, it'll catch me off guard. And it's been like the last couple months it's done that. So now I'm like, like, I'll just wear a period underwear for a couple extra days. Cause I'm like, it will come, like it will come back. And it's, again, it's not like major. It's just a little, but I'm like, it's weird that it has, it's not like it just hangs on. Either. Right. Like it's, yeah, it's. The stop and go is interesting. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure what that is. Like, is that a hormonal thing? Is that, um. Yeah. What is that? I want to know. So another interesting discussion I had yesterday with Alex, the midwife that Haley and I know we were, she, she was commenting on the last one of our last podcasts where we talked about the progesterone and how that decreases like smooth muscle activation 
which can lead to leaking. And so people have tend to have symptoms like leading up to their period. But then we are talking about how in pregnancy, when progesterone is high, like, cause I think pregnancy leaking, I'm like, okay, like positioning pressure from baby, you know, all these changes in the body. And I guess I never made the connection, like what that progesterone could be doing like relaxing the smooth muscle in the urethra, which can lead to decreased support. And, and especially like in that first trimester when the baby's really not that, I mean, the baby's not big. Yeah. The placenta is growing, but there's not that much increased pressure on the pelvic floor. You're not like so big that you're starting to like really get into that extension pattern. So I thought that was interesting. Like, a, oh yeah, I guess that would, could sense, be yeah. a big factor. Huh? Yeah. I tell you about that at like yoga or not the yoga pelvic floor Pilates. Okay, hop on YouTube. Oh, here, or I'll pull it up on my phone. This other physical therapist, she took this this pelvic floor Pilates course. It's called I call it Plaflatis because it's just about that good, and it's like a lot of money. It's like maybe $500 to get certified. And it's a, it's $500. It's like a two hour lecture you take and it's 10 exercises, a series of 10 exercises for top of floor. And it works 500 times more effectively than Kegels alone. Guess what? Sarah, it was created. Study by it was created by a doctor. Can you believe it? What the hell? <laughs> We have the subject step forward and, and back. We're going to do three repetitions in this cycle. Step forward again and back. This time when you step forward, I want you to stay forward. Go ahead and step forward. Now, these muscles we're talking about, the pelvic floor muscles, are automatically contracted just by being in this position. Which, okay, okay. Exaggerate the contraction of the butt cheek. Exaggerate the contraction. You'll get even more engagement of these pelvic floor muscles. Now, by holding this position, we ask people to do a small range of motion, exactly like that. And every when they dip down, we ask them to add a pelvic floor contraction, so-called Kegel exercise, but very quickly. Every time they dip- That's gonna feel real good for a prolapse. Now you can step back. We would obviously repeat that on both sides. And pelvic the girdle pain. <laughs> that we use when we're conditioning muscles that are so- There's 10 of these. This wide stance squatting movement. Go ahead. Let's all do it together, shall we? The slide. What is he doing? A side lunge? Oh, we're dumping, we're dumping our pelvic organs on the ground. Got it. Lowest point. Hold it. Hands on your hips. Both of the gluteals are contracting, Addy. <laughs> Just gonna lower abdominals, gripping those butt cheeks. Pulse. Pulse. Squeeze it. Squeeze I, it, Addy. I want my anal fissures. I want my anal fissures to flare up. This is great. <laughs> Come on, hemorrhoids. <laughs> Please, I, I, in my anus. Please squish out of my butthole. Please. I think my prolapse just went up a half a notch just doing a couple of reps of that. Go ahead and begin the movement. You're what is this? Lower down towards your Dear heels. Dear God. Oh. 
lower down and back up and as you reach the top of this movement that's just extend your back that's the best one that's the best one it is hold it at the top now the least destructive butt muscles are contracting your butt muscles are <laughs> just squeeze those butt muscles and you're curling the pelvis under oh dear good holy like I'm Working. not even I'm not kidding. The my vaginal like opening feels very open right now. <laughs> After, How do you just need to squeeze your butt muscles more? That enhances the pelvic floor contraction. Holy hundred times pulse. better. <laughs> pulse more. Pulse more, Addy. Oh my gosh. I just this is the shit that's out there that people are trying and going, oh well. Obviously, pelvic floor PT is not going to help me because I'm worse now. <laughs> like the Pilates, plyometric. They're calling it a plyometric pelvic floor training program. Do you <sighs> suffer with incontinence, bowel bladder weakness, pelvic organ prolapse, overactive bladder, painful sex? Well, Ten you do now. <laughs> Ten minutes of specific training a day can achieve results in little as 28 days with 80% of cases resolving in three months. That is a bunch of bullshit. I, I want to see that study. I want to see that study. Yeah, what, show go, me the, <laughs> yeah, I'm not like a, I want to see this study kind of PT, but in that case, show me the fucking study. It says the Pilates, no the Pilates program uses the principles of plyometrics and the control of Pilates, which I didn't see any Pilates in there. Uh, to increase the pelvic floor activity by up to 10 times a standard Kegel exercise. These basic fitness and mat Pilates movements have been selected based upon research. Okay, you know what? I'll give them a little bit of credit. You know why? Because, yes, if you're doing a regular Kegel, doing whatever bullshit that was may increase your Kegel 10% because you're pressurizing the shit out of your pelvic floor and it's going to be hanging on for dear life. Trying so, to keep everything. So they have there. a, it's so the, they're literally their, te, their logo is Pilates, a pelvic floor Pilates created by a physician. That is, that is what they advertise it as. And then it says, teachers, physicians. So physicians can pay, I don't know what it is per month to give their patients access to like the program to 10 exercises, literally 10 exercises, three of which that we already got on YouTube. And then teachers is that you can become a Pilates teacher five. There's 5,000 of them. Okay. The certification is $499. Or Um, you can just take uh, Haley's mentorship and <laughs> learn the real shit <laughs> that's actually going to help your people. And then you have to recertify every month <laughs> or no, every year. Oh um, my gosh. So there's the basic Pilates teacher in certification and then the advanced Pilates teacher certification. And then there's a monthly mentorship for $99 a month. Can they at least have named it something that doesn't sound like complete bullshit? Sounds like a, literally sounds like the sound. <laughs> Queefing. Fucking <laughs> vagina. <laughs> I'm standing like this going, oh, you me. <laughs> As you're 
squeezing your glutes. Just I'm squeezing my glutes so hard that I'm gonna pop the air out of my vagina. It's gonna go fine. <laughs> oh my god. But well, yeah. it is it is like upping their revenue because they're gonna have more and more problems. Uh surgery is gonna probably go up. <laughs> I suppose PT's gonna go up. That's a really smart position, actually. Yeah. So it's like I really, really well appreciate this, and I really, really appreciate the fact that we're helping people maybe learn a little bit more about their pelvic floor, but continue like continuously contracting these pelvic floor muscles. No, no, is, the glutes. Isn't this the glutes? That's and, all and that, that was. <laughs> the the glutes. And the hip rotators do work to, is synergistically with the pelvic floor. And when we're upright and we're balancing, yes, there is reflexive activation of these pelvic floor muscles. They are postural muscles. So, so yes. So I, we can find some common, common places, I think, but it does not functionally all squeeze together. Like, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. no, no, I can't. No. I mean, you're giving them. Yeah. You're giving that. Pilates. <laughs> like I just like want to kind of go like question <laughs> question how many people Pilates out their <laughs> vagina when they do this Pilates. I can't even I can't I can't this is this always gets me 5,000 if that's even a real number is that how many people have done it certified teachers 5,000 certified teachers times uh four what did i say 4.99 also that video looked like it was from the 80s at least through zoom yes or no oh it's not good no 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 so is this like way old school thinking like way back two and a half million dollars in revenue yikes right is that right five thousand times 4.99 yep 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 two and a half million dollars made can we just start calling queefing Pafladi <laughs> because it's so much better. So Cam and I have been reading like easy readers at night and um, basically he memorizes the book and then he like reads it to me. Mm-hmm. And there's one book and these two kids like run into each other and like coming off of the, like the sound coming off of them is womp and womp. <laughs> and me and Cam, like we just crack up so hard because we go, because <laughs> we're like it's wh it's wh <laughs> and every time i do it he's laughing because he thinks it's funny and i'm laughing because i'm like it sounds like flotty <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well that was fun <laughs> and horrific all at the same time i really need to go do a workout with the ball between my knees now and get my pelvic floor balanced out like no talk of breathing i mean granted the training program the training program must must be different than that right i have very little faith in anything that you just showed me (laughs) oh boy i don't know sometimes i just my mind is blown by the complete bullshit that's out there it's just crazy i don't know all right know your bush (laughs) (laughs) we like went up this like really high high energy like rant and then i'm gonna cut like all of like what we just did it's like 
No, your brush. <laughs> Love it. Share it. <laughs> Bye. So let's get a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm good. All right. Know your bush. Love your bush. And share, share the bushy, the bushy love. love. Yes, we got it. <laughs> we Bye. Bye. <laughs> You can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment, and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. (laughs) And our music is provided by Blockhead.